0: My name is Andy. I'm one of the leaders at Cross Life. Tanner's not here this evening. And there's some other leaders amongst you now, believe it or not. (laughs) Um, I'm not sure what to say right now. (laughs) It is good to see you guys. I'm very thankful to see each one of you. A lot of familiar faces are trickling back. So praise the Lord to see each one of you. If you weren't here last week... And um, you didn't get an introduction to to what we're going to be studying this semester. We're calling this semester Roots. And we're looking at the things that a Christian should be rooted in. Every Christian should be rooted in these things. And it's just not a head thing to where we're going to teach. But there should be visible fruit in your life. So one week we're going to talk about Tonight, we're going to talk about one of the things, a main thing, that a Christian should be rooted in. Next week, we're going to talk about the fruit, what that looks like Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So that's our study for the, for the, for the rest of this year. Um, tonight's what a Christian should be rooted in is God's Word. going to be looking at what is God's Word. We were singing all together here a little bit ago and I was looking at the screen and I was thinking, you know, if we didn't, if we weren't acquainted with God's Word, if we didn't read God's Word, what would you be singing? Probably not much more than it's up on the screen right now. Like everything... Not everything, because God has revealed Himself in creation. But the most intimate things about who God is, you would not know unless He revealed it to you. We're going to be talking about rooted into God's Word. Um, Rooting your life into Scripture. Jesus said uh, in Matthew 7, He said, and I mentioned this last week, the man who builds his house, who listens to my words, what are they? That's scripture. The man who obeys and listens to my words, he's like a wise man. His house was strong, and it stayed standing, and it was firm, and it was placed soundly on the words of Christ, God's word. He was a wise man. The other man who did not listen to, to the words of Christ, he said he was like a foolish man. He, was, they were, he had his life built on sand, things that could come today and are gone tomorrow. You see them everywhere. People build their lives on things that come and go. Christ says, this is a foolish man. And the hard times of life came, and the house did not stand. You know, in essence, what is Christ saying? He's saying that depending upon how you handle what is in this book, your life will rise and fall on that. The house will either rise or it'll fall depending upon what you do with what is in this book. You believe that? That's a a very bold statement. I have a a Bible here this evening. We're going to be talking a lot about the Bible, which is, yeah, that's the right thing to do. This, uh, this Bible was, um, was given to me by um, um, a man I really respected. I grew up, a lot of you know I grew up at a Christian camp on the East Coast, and uh, the man who started it came from Scotland. And uh, he came over, and he was going to be a missionary to the United States, Um, So he came over, him and his brother their family, and um, they started a few different churches. And they ended up starting, and where he died was at the camp where I grew up at. And I got one of his Bibles after he passed away. This man loved the Word. He lived his life. Like, if it said it, he did his best to obey it. He was a good teacher. And so I got this Bible, and I was like, oh, wow, that's awesome. And I opened it up. You can you see that? There's, um, there's First Chronicles. That's pretty boring stuff. There's First Samuel. Can you see that? Leviticus. He underlined all of Leviticus. <laughs> Nobody does that. Let's just pick it random here. Psalms. It's all underlined. There's even things that are underlined that's not even there. No, it's bleeding through the page. (laughs) And at first I was like, what was he doing? Just kind of (laughs) like... And some of it, he's got like little hash marks, like I've read this six times, or I think that's what it means. But then I got to thinking about it. You see, as Christians, we, uh, we have our favorite parts of the Bible, but truly, every word of it is good. Every single word. It's not just the parts that you underline. It's all of it. I don't know if he did that on purpose, but there's a good lesson there. They're all profitable. They're all good, even the ones that you don't like. That's a good lesson. Um, if you read, if you pick up a book on theology, first chapter. It's going to be on God's word. What is God's word? The authority of God's word. If you pick up our church constitution, you pick up many churches' constitutions, which is pretty much just a sheet of what we believe, the first article is we believe that the whole scripture is God's word. It is inerrant, inerrant, infallible, effectual. We're going to be talking about some of these churchy words tonight. I'm going to explain them. But it's all God's Word, and that's where it starts. It doesn't start, like, you don't open a theology book and it says who was Christ. You don't open it up and it says who was God even. It starts with God's Word, with Scripture. And if it wasn't for God's Word, how would you know who God is at all? You could tell me things about him, but could you say you know him? My question for you to start off with is Are you acquainted with God's word? And I use that word acquainted on purpose. I don't say informed. I don't want to say, Do you know? But are you acquainted? I like to think of Scripture as a um, kind of a conversation. When I'm reading Scripture, I am hearing from God. How do I respond? I pray. I obey. That's the Christian's conversation. I wonder um, if you get verses like uh, Jeremiah 15, 16, where God's word was discovered by Jeremiah. He says, I found your word and I ate it. And it brought me great joy. Like, do you devour God's word? Are you hungry? I remember when I was 24, God allowed me to be hungry for his word. And that's what I wanted. Good to see you, Alex. What are you doing here? (laughs) I was in Maryland, and I wanted to, to see and read God's word and get taught. And I went to a Bible school, and I took a bunch of classes in Baltimore. And then there was no more classes really to take there. So we left our home. My parents live there now. We let we sold, like we just had this huge garage sale and we moved and I wanted to find a school that would teach me God's word and I ate it up. And it has brought great joy. It's it's not all easy to swallow either. But it's all good. We're going to um We're going to be meditating thinking and studying, in particular, on one scripture this evening, 2 Timothy 3.16. Keep your finger in there all night, because we're going to be jumping back to that a lot. I want to do something a little bit different that we don't normally do, but it has been a tradition of many people for thousands of years, and that is to stand as God's word is read out of respect for it. Let's all stand together. 2 Timothy 3.16. If you don't have a Bible, there's one right in front of you. 2 Timothy Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete Thoroughly equipped for every good work. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. One of the things that I do too many times is I jump into reading this book, jump into studying it, and I look at it like a textbook. Um... Before we begin, we should pray this evening and ask that the Lord would help us. Lord, thank you for your, for your words. Lord, help us not to, to take them lightly. Lord, there's probably people here who maybe have never heard your word before. Would you, would you teach us tonight what you have to say? Lord, thank you for being the God who speaks. Would you give me humility? Help me to stand out of the way for what you have to say, Lord. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You realize people for thousands of years have been gathering just like this and listening to God's word. Like this is, this is an old, wonderful tradition. It's, and it's really, this is what the church, it's um, a very, one of the central pillars. We talked about eating, and fellowshipping, and breaking bread, Simplicity of heart for coming together in corporate bodies and meeting in small groups, but if you take out this bit of it you 're just hanging out and you 're just eating. But when you hear from god 's word, man that 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 's fellowship that 's Christian fellowship all scripture, all scripture I want to give you if you 've never Maybe um, just a quick introduction to the book. Scripture is 1,500 years old. It was written over a period of 1,500 years. Sixty-six books are in here. This is not just one book. It's one message, but it's not one book. There's actually 66 books in here written by 40 different authors over 40 generations. Hardly any of them knew each other. Okay. It wasn't like there's 40 people in here. And we're all trying to collaborate a book. Hardly any of them knew each other. They were on three different continents. It was in three different languages: Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Think of those odds. If we were to, and it's not there's the, the Scripture consists of history, law, poetry, prophecy gospel narrative, consists of letters, it consists of records of the early church, and it consists of revelation. If we Imagine if 40 of us got together and we, we, we sat in different rooms, and maybe a couple of us would sit in the same room, give Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John the edge there because they were together, and we all, we wrote something down, and we put it together, it would be totally nonsensical, it wouldn't make any sense at all. Think about this. Scripture is that old, and it has never been debunked. It has never been found with errors that people are like, toss that out the window. That is amazing to me. In fact, authors way back when make outrageous claims Like certain cities are going to be cast down this way and they will never rise. And they didn't. And then other prophets said, These cities will be cast down, but they'll rise up again. And they did. And then it talks about the Messiah. And it gives, like, for instance, Isaiah talks about the exact way that Christ was crucified, many of the ways. David, what, a thousand years before Jesus says his very words on the cross. Guys, they didn't hang out and like take notes. How do you how do you account for that? Second Peter, Second Peter 1 20 says this: that Scripture never came about by the will of man. It was never man's idea to write scripture then it says but holy men men who God set apart there's nothing special about them, other than God said I'll pick you and, and I'll pick you but holy men were moved by the Holy Spirit see it wasn't man's idea it's pretty obvious if you read the book if you get into scripture much I man, it doesn't got much good to say about you doesn't, it doesn't have anything that um, you read it and you're like, you know, I'm really a good guy. Uh, I, think, I think I'm okay. How do you account for that? Rather than 40 authors, ultimately there was one author behind it all. Now, their characteristics came out. Moses wrote different than David who wrote different than Paul, who wrote different than Matthew, who wrote different than, than Luke, who wrote different than John. You got guys who were sailors. You got guys who were fishermen. You got guys who guys who were prisoners, who were kings, who were homeless guys. But yet it all has cohesion. Scripture says that's because there was one author. All Scripture that I'm talking about is given by inspiration all of it and when i say all of it i mean all of it i had a i had a conversation with a guy at when i was managing apartments in bozeman and uh, he said wait a second you believe in like knowing the art i'm like yeah he's like really he's like yeah jonah too remember the guy who got eaten by the whale (laughs) he's like oh my goodness you're like a dinosaur i'm like i don't know I believe that God created it in Genesis. Some people will say, you know, I don't. Well, that's okay. Let's see, w- w- what you're seeing is two different worldviews. I believe there is a God. He spoke, and thus it happened. You believe there is a God, and you have to come up with another way. Like, it's just two different worldviews. One, mine, is God, God spoke, just like he said, and everything in Scripture came to be. And I'll be honest with you, um, like, I don't wrestle with, my faith is firmly put, like, I don't think at night, I wonder if there really was a Jonah. I believe it with all my heart. God said it. And I've seen other things that he said have have come to pass. And so you either believe all of it, or you're going to wrestle with all of it. If you pick and choose, that's what a lot of people do. Well, I believe I believe what Jesus said, but some of those stories in the Old Testament, I think they were just kind of like, no, you can't do that. Because once you start doubting one part, you might as well doubt it all. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. All Scripture, like we just talked about, is given. 2 Timothy 3.16 says... By inspiration of God. And there's other versions. What do some of your other versions say? Is God breathed? Bre- uh, the ESV says all scripture is breathed out by God. Theopneustos, God breathed. Like, God exhaled. Phew, scripture was the result. That's a neat, th- a neat thought. Like, you think of, like, um On a cold morning when you exhale and you see your breath, God exhales, and Scripture is the result. Think of the power. Like, for instance, um, think of, I think sometimes things people wrestle with is like that it's in written form. Do you ever wish you could be like there with Moses, the burning bush, and you heard God talk to you? Like, think of the power of God's voice. In Revelations, it talks about Jesus has the voice of many rushing waters. Imagine in Genesis one, when God said, "Let there be light," and there was light. And God said, "Let the creatures come forth," and they did. And He breathed life into Adam, and he and he was alive. Do you ever think about the power of God's word? I don't see much difference in scripture as it talks about God's audible word and God's written word. We're going to look at they're equally powerful. They're equally true. One is not exalted above the other. They're equally His. Um, God speaks and amazing things happen. God breathes and Scripture is the result. How did that happen? We looked at 2 Peter 1 where it said, Scripture was never the will of man, but there was men, holy men. They were moved by the Holy Spirit. How were they moved? God exhaled. That, 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 that term, they were moved, it literally means like you, would, you have a ship and a sail. The wind that pushes that sail, that moves that boat, that's the picture. That's how these men were moved. God breathes, and these men were moved. They, God used them. Like It wasn't like everything Paul said was Scripture. Like, he wrote 1st and 2nd Corinthians, but like that morning when he got up and said, um, good morning, someone's like, oh, quick, write that down. That's, Paul is inspired. In fact, do you know that I believe there's four letters to the Corinthians? 1st, 2nd, 3rd, 4th Corinthians. We have 1st and 4th. God and his sovereignty did not allow 2 and 3. Are they inspired? No. They're not in Scripture. If they... What if we found them? I was thinking about this. What if we found them like in the caves? Would, they, would we tuck them in Scripture? Nope. Would they disagree with Scripture? Nope. You see, how Scripture happened was it was God's desire. Theopanustas he breathed out, and men were inspired to write, and they did. And it looks different ways throughout Scripture. Hebrews 1, 1 through 2 Talks about in the past, God spoke in many and various ways. He spoke through the prophets. What did He reveal in the Old Testament? He revealed His character, who God is. That's what He revealed in the Old Testament, what God was doing. But in these last days, He has spoken through to us by His Son, Jesus Christ. So what you have there is you have a division of Old Testament and New Testament. In the past, God spoke through the prophets. For example, um, Genesis, let me see here, Deuteronomy 27.8. God says, write these things down upon a stone plainly. Man, I like that. Like, like, Scripture isn't mysterious as to where you can't get it. He says, I want you to write these down and I want you to write them down plainly. Um. In uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a young prophet, before he was even born, God had foreordained that he was going to use Jeremiah to speak his words. In Jeremiah 1:9, he says, "I have put in my words in your mouth, Jeremiah. That's a cool picture. God takes his words, puts them in Jer- Jeremiah's mouth, and you read the rest of that. It's in quotations. It's God' speaking but I bet you it sounded like Jeremiah's voice. But it was Jeremiah who wrote it down. God breathed. He was moved like a ship with wind pushing him. Scripture was the result. Man, that's cool. Other cases, like um, um, the Ten Commandments, it says uh, in Exodus 31, 18, that they were written with the finger of God. Now, I don't know if... Necessarily, if God has a finger, because God is spirit, no man has ever seen him. But somehow, on that tablet, Moses said, they were written by God." It says in Exodus 32:16, the writing was the writing of God." My mind flashes back to um, what, where was it that many, many Techo faen and the big hand, finger popped up on the wall and wrote that? Where was that at? Daniel. I wonder if it was something like that, but on a stone. I don't know. In the New Testament, in these last days, he has spoken to us through his son. Do you realize that Jesus, we don't have anything that Jesus wrote down? Nothing. I know that he wrote in the sand once. We don't got that. Like Jesus, what does it say at the end of Luke? If, if the words, of all of the words that Jesus said were recorded, it would fill up all the books in the earth. The books of the earth couldn't contain them. He spoke that much. But you do not have one thing that he hand wrote down. Does that bother you? Something, it's kind of interesting to think about. So what, what do you do with that? In John fourteen twenty six, Jesus promises to his disciples, The Holy Spirit will give you perfect remembrance of every word that I have said. He says you don't you don't need to worry about it. Because I'm going to use these men, and they have perfect remembrance of what I said. Really? Well, you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and there's no contradictions. Why is that? How is it that Luke, Dr. Luke, can go out and interview all these people and come back with one story? How is that? I'll tell you how. Because Jesus promised that his Holy Spirit would give them perfect remembrance of the words that he wanted in Scripture, and only those words that he wanted in Scripture. It's amazing that like Luke didn't come back, and he's not like, uh, guys... That's not what the guy over here in Mark said. No, it was one message. Um, our constitution here at the church. Well, let me back up it just a quick second. If you're reading the Old Testament, also the um, the the punishments, the consequences, and the rewards are the same as if you heard God's voice yourself. Like, for instance, Moses actually heard God's voice, okay? He was held at the same accountability to the person who only read the writing. They were, like, God sees them equally, We're going to try to do an illustration. This might make sense and this might not. Um, Dan, will you help me for a second? Come on up here. I need this paper for later. Dan is my good friend. my good friend. (laughs) Which is more true? They're both equally true, right? Like, just because I said it doesn't make it more true than if I wrote it to him. That's how I see God's word. That's how God's word is illustrated in the Old Testament. Think about this. Um, Think of in God's wisdom, he wrote Because now, Dan can take that with him. I could, Dan, I'll I'll give it back. Dan couldn't even, he could be someplace else, and I could mail this to him. Like, isn't God wise? (laughs) Still my friend. How about this one? Um, I'm going to punch you. Why didn't you move? I did. Oh, well, you didn't move fast enough. Okay. um, Would you help me out? (laughs) Watch out. He might hit you. Oops. Could you read that? I'm going to punch you, duh. Uh, Dan. (laughs) Why didn't you move? (laughs) Here's my point. I even spelled his name wrong. Which is more true? Well, they were equally true. Think about this. Dan didn't listen when I told him, and he suffered the consequences. True. Dan heard the writing that I gave him, and he still didn't listen. And he still suffered the consequences. <laughs> I spelled his name wrong. But you know what? It's still true. <laughs> See, we, here's my point. We don't have any of the original manuscripts of Scripture at all. They've been, we have copies and copies of copies. And copies of copies of copies. We have 20,000 different... You guys can sit down. Keep it. Do you want the um, punching one or the friend one? Friend one. Okay. <laughs> we have copies of copies. 20,000 copies. And what, what they do is people get together and they compare them. And the truth is totally contained. Now is there spelling mistakes. Well, we don't have any of the original manuscripts. But the ones that we do have, there might be a spelling mistake. In fact, I think the Lord's prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Mm-hmm. The last section of it and lead us not to fame. For thine is the kingdom and the glory and the power forever amen. A lot of the manuscripts don't have it. But is it true? Yes, it is true. It is not contrary to anything. You see, what we believe about Scripture in that it's original autographs, the original manuscripts, they're flawless. The copies of copies and copies, God in his sovereignty maintained them. The truth is maintained. And even though I spelled your name (coughs) wrong, Dan, he suffered the consequences as if God spoke to... As if Andy spoke to him himself. Does that make sense? That's how I see God's word. That's how God's word defines itself. Um, let's keep moving. Let me just read a part out of, out of Grace Bible Church's Constitution. God uses the experiences, the feelings, and thinking of the human author, and the end result, however, is just as accurate as if God himself had taken up the pen... Hence, the scriptures were inspired or breathed out of God, and the authors were in. Although the authors were fallible men, they made mistakes. What they wrote was without error. How do you know that? Because scripture was never the will of man, but holy men were moved by the Holy Spirit. How were they moved? Theopanustas. God breathed, and he inspired them. He moved them. It was his will, not theirs. Let's keep talking. If scripture then is God's word, if it is um, all scripture is given by inspiration, let's think about that word just for a second there, given. Man, we take God's word for granted a lot. Scripture was God's idea. Like, he didn't have to speak. He didn't have to reveal himself. He chose to. Man, I, I need to remember that word a lot. That scripture was given. It was given by inspiration of God. In a lot of ways, it's a it, it is it is a gift. Praise the Lord that he revealed himself through Scripture. All scripture is given by inspiration. What are the implications of that? Let me read a verse to you that I read this. I'm going to go ahead and just look it up and read it to you. It's um, Psalms 138.2. This is a good one to underline. Psalms 138.2 blew my mind when I first read it. Check this out. Okay. It's the end of Psalms 138.2. Let's read the whole thing. I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving and kindness and your truth. Now, listen to this. For you have magnified your word above all your name. What? For you have magnified your word above all your name. Do you know what the name of God is? It's his character. It's his identification. It's how he's known. God says that he magnifies his word, not the the paper that you're holding in your hand, but what's inside it, the message in it. He magnifies it higher than his own name. That is incredible. That's God's view of scripture. He thinks and he magnifies it higher than his own name. How high do you think of Scripture? So, if this is God's God's Word, and God is perfect, the first word I'd like to talk about is it's infallible. Infallible. What does that mean? It means that it does not fail. It's trustworthy. You can depend upon it. This is—I uh, just took this out of a theology book. This is a definition of infallible. Scripture is not able to lead astray in matters of faith. Scripture is it's incapable in leading you astray of matters of faith. Why is that? It's because it's according to God's character. See, when you start to doubt Scripture... And you start to think, and I know I've done this before, like you'll read scripture and be like, man, I don't know about that. That sounds hard. Do I have to obey that? Maybe God didn't mean that. It's infallible. You can trust it. It will not lead you astray. When you start to doubt that, you know what you're doubting? You're doubting who God is, his name. For instance, in um, James, uh, um, I'm sorry, Hebrews 6:18, it says, "It is impossible for God to lie. It's something He cannot do. He can't lie. It's against His nature. But if we believe that God's word is fallible and it could lead you astray and that not all of it is trustworthy? If you doubt his word, you doubt the one who spoke it. James 1:17 says, and it's talking of God, it says there's no variation or shadow of turning. What does that mean? It means that God is always the same. He's constant and steady. He's not one way one day and then he'll trick you and he's over here the next day. Like he's steady. That's scripture. It will not lead you astray. You can put your faith in it. Even when it's hard, God tells Abraham, Abraham, go to a place that I'm going to tell you. And Abraham had never seen the place before, but he went because he believed that God was infallible. That he would not lead him astray. And Abraham, was, it was accounted unto him as a man, the father of faith. Um, Another one. If this is God's word, then it's inerrant. I'll just read you the definition. Scripture, like I talked before in the original manuscripts, does not affirm anything that is contrary to truth. It's not going to tell what it contains is true. Do you believe that when it comes to matters of your life? When it comes to... Who you date? Who you marry? What your future is? Like, do you doubt God's word? Do you think He'd lead you astray in these matters? If you start doubting there, you're doubting God's character. If you doubt His word, to doubt the truth, the, to doubt, to doubt this um, undermines the truthfulness and the trustworthiness. And the control of God. A lot of people think that um, people say, uh, skeptics will say, you know, they've been, the, the manuscripts have been tweaked. People could have come in and changed them. Yeah, they, people say, I believe in the original manuscripts, but we don't have any. You know what you're doubting in there? God's sovereignty. You believe that God is up in heaven. He's like, oh, no, I didn't think they were going to do that. Rats. God's out of control somehow. He's lost it. He's far removed, and people are, are monkeying with his word. Are you kidding me? God holds his word higher than his name, and he's just going to let people fool it? I don't think so. Here's a good verse to think about. Jeremiah thirty two twenty seven says, All flesh is, it, is as grass. I need to just read it. The end of it says, is there anything too hard for God to do? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find it real quick and read it to you. 32, Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The all flesh is as grass. That's a different a different verse. Is there anything too hard for God to do? That's what Sarah said when she um, was 100 years old. Is there anything too hard for God to do? And she had a baby. Apparently not. You don't think that God can protect his word? It would be good for you to study and meditate on his sovereignty. He is in full control. Um, Jesus said in Matthew 5.18, Till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot and not one tittle will pass away. Not the smallest stroke of a pen. Not that the least ounce of truth will be erased until never. Um, I want to talk about what the purpose of Scripture is in closing. What is the purpose of Scripture? People use the Scripture for a lot of wrong things. People will they'll flip open their Bible and they'll look for a word. They'll do these weird word studies where they like, oh, heart. Um, okay, that means I need to to, to think about my heart. And uh, so I brought her. So I bought her for myself for fifteen shekels of silver. No way. My heart needs to buy her for fifteen. Se- H. Henrietta. People do this stuff with Scripture. Like it's a mystical book. It's not the purpose of Scripture. Do you remember um, there was this computer program like 10 years ago, and it would like read Scripture at very high rates of speed, and um, it would like come up with like predictions, Like it talked about Hitler in the Bible. And I was like, are you serious? Wow, it is God's word. It's talking about. And they would like do all these crazy things. The thing is, is that the same computer program would do that with many books. It would come up with all kinds of stuff. It's not how God's word was meant to be used. God said, write these words down plainly. And God is so wise. Because if God had hidden things in his book and he needed to wait for computers to dig them up, that doesn't seem very just, does it? And that's a huge part of God's character, is he is just. <coughs> Let's go to 2 Timothy 3.16. <coughs> the purpose of Scripture. We've already talked a little bit. As God reveals himself. Let's go to 15. Paul is talking to Timothy. He's encouraging him. This is a man who is a young leader of a church who's got a lot of problems. And he's encouraging him in the word of God. And he says, um, And that from childhood, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. This is... Is, the per- is, is one of the huge purposes of, sal- of the, the scriptures. They are able to make you wise for salvation. I used to think it would be so cool to like, see a miracle. Like, wouldn't it be cool if, like um, I don't know, I see a broken arm that got magically fixed, or, or um, somebody rose from the dead, or, I don't know, some sort of crazy miracle? I just thought Jesus, well, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. The purpose of Scripture is even more miraculous than that. Through what Jesus Christ did on the cross, that you read in Scripture, through that gospel that is found in Scripture, one of the most amazing miracles happens. What is that? A dead man who is hating God and is running as fast and as hard as he can away from God because he wants control of his life, changes his mind. What do you mean? God takes a dead man and he makes him alive. He takes a man who is blind and he lets him see. I talked to a fella two days ago who had just received the Lord. And um, he said, man, Andy, it's like... Uh, Paul and the scales fell off my eyes and all of a sudden, like I've, I've seen the Bible for a long time, but he said, it's like the scales falling off my eyes and I'm reading things and man, God is so good. I have That's what God does. He gives you a, a new, he converts your mind. He renews your mind. He, he changes your heart's desires. He changes the taste buds of your heart. Imagine like, You hate, you love pizza. And you've loved pizza your whole life. And tonight we go out and have pizza and you're like, this is terrible. What is this stuff? See, that's what God does with sin. Man, you loved sin. Loved it before you came to Christ. You were okay with it and you actually sought it out more. You went to find Things that were dark and evil and pleased you. And then God changes your taste buds. And you go out and you eat that pizza and you're like, I hate this. Why, Lord? It's like Paul said, I know what I want to do and I go back to this and I hate it. Your heart has a whole new desire. You still wrestle in the flesh, but a Christian hates sin. That is amazing. That's what God's word does. Changes your mind. He renews your mind. And he makes you fit for eternity. You thought only of yourself. Now you can think of nothing else but how can I use what God has given me, not to bring me glory, but to give him glory. This guy, is a, he's an elk guide. And um, he's like, man, all I wanted to do, Andy, was like train horses and Go out in the wilderness. And he's like, now I'm out in the wilderness and I'm still training horses. But where I used to get angry, the Lord's taking the anger away. Isn't that cool? Like, he's training horses, but the Lord's getting glory because he's a new man. And instead of just looking for elk out there in the, in the, in the Bob Marshall, he's like, man, God has made a beautiful creation. We are so blessed to go out and hunt it down. <laughs> totally different scriptures make you wise for salvation 2nd Timothy 3:16 the purpose of scripture let's go let's jump down to verse 17 no i'm sorry uh, 16 end of 16 all scripture is given by inspiration of god and it's profitable for doctrine, one, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. These are the four things that scripture, that scripture does. The first thing is that Scripture is a teacher. It teaches you. It's a good teacher. It talks about in Psalms 119, 97 through 99, it says that um, Scripture will make you wiser than the ancient, will make you wiser than your teachers. And that's not to puff you up. But Scripture is such a teacher that if, and, and there's wisdom that's floating around all the time. People will say, you know, this is, how to make, this is how to build your bank account. This is how to get good grades. This is how to, this is your future. And you know what? There's a lot of wisdom to it. But God gives you true wisdom. Think of the wisest man you know. If he is turned his back on God, God says, You're a fool. Don't you know this very night I could take your life from you? Scripture says that if you heed God's word, you are wiser than the ancient. You're wiser than your teachers. It's able to give you true wisdom. Where's true wisdom found? Colossians says that all the wisdom and Godhead is found in Jesus Christ. You're able to to become wise, true wisdom. What else is it? Um, I I love this verse. Go, Go to 1 Corinthians 2. This is another one of those ones that you should think about quite a bit. 1 Corinthians 2. 13. Listen to this now. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but with the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to them. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual... Judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So what's going on here is you are able to judge spiritual and unspiritual. You're able to judge things, God says. You're able to, to, to know how to live to, to know that I should not do that. That is wrong. This is right. Did you ever wonder what God thinks about what you're doing? I wonder what God thinks about what I'm doing. I can tell you. Because right here it says, We have the mind of Christ. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ? In here is what God thinks it's living and active. Like, it's not just a book of thoughts by a bunch of wise sages. Like, this is what God is actively thinking about what you are doing. That's incredible. You don't go to other books like that, like the dictionary. I wonder who I should marry, A, B, C, D. No, you don't do that. (laughs) But you go to God's word, and God gives you a picture of what he thinks about who you should marry what you should do with your life. <clears throat> Let's keep going. Reproof. It is profitable for reproving. The word reproving means to test whether you're doing something right or wrong, whether it's good or it's bad. Some people will say, you know, if you, how do you know about... Like, like maybe you should read the Quran and the Book of Mormon. And you should also read the, the Torah. And you should also read the Bible. And you should also read all these books. Do you know that would take you a lifetime? And you still would not have the ability to compare all these books and reprove them and say, this one's good, this one's bad. You couldn't do it. It would be a great way to waste your time. Do you know how counterfeiters, they train people to discover counterfeit money? They don't go out and say, this is counterfeit, this is counterfeit, this is counterfeit, because new counterfeits are coming up all the time. It's the same in religions. Religions are coming up all the time. People are creating religions all the time. It would take you a lifetime to discover all of them. How they train a person to discover a counterfeit is they look at a $1 bill, and they look at it, 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 it until they know it inside and out. And someone comes along with a counterfeit, and they know it because they've seen the truth. And you read this book, and you get acquainted with God's thoughts, and somebody will come up to you, and they'll say, what do you think about this? And right away, you're like, that's works righteousness. I know that because God says that that is an abomination to him. There is nothing I can do. My works are as filthy rags. No, that's wrong. I don't need to read any more of it. Why? Because God's word, is, it reproves if you know it. Okay, let's move on. Um, <clears throat> not only does it tell you what's wrong, and it'll do this in your life too. You ever felt conviction? God's word reproves you, and you know that what you're doing is wrong. The word correction, it's profitable for correction, literally means to restore to an upright position. You're like this, and God's word says you're all bent over. You're sinful. What you're doing is wrong. It doesn't just like love you and leave you. It says, I'm going to teach you how to stand up straight. It corrects you. That's in the heart of God, not to just point out, man, you screwed up. Yeah, you did, but I'm going to show you how to, how to correct, to, to live corrected. Um, how does it do that? Remember Hebrews 4.12? For the word of God is living and active. It is sharper than, two, than and a two-edged sword talks about that it, it slices down to the deepest most parts. It's able to split bone and marrow. The deepest parts of your heart, not only your thoughts, but your intentions. That's intense. Like, I can do something, I'm doing things right now, but you don't know my intentions. I could be having sinful intentions. I could go up to you, I could have told Dan that I am his friend, and you saw that, but My intentions was Dan's rich. It's not true. (laughs) But have you ever done that? Have you ever gone up and you said, oh, it's so good to see you. And your intentions are, I better go make friends with that guy because he or she, they have this. Scripture slices that down. It says that is wrong. It reproves it, and then it corrects it. You see, um, the word for it is sharper than a two-edged sword. It's not like um, the Excalibur coming through and like chopping you up. It's a surgeon's tool, and it's able to look into your heart and cut out what is wrong called discipline it hurts discipline is one of the most intimate things that god does he takes out what is wrong he replaces it and you know what the result is you look more and more like his son really does it hurt yeah but that's what he does to those he loves he corrects them (laughs) Instruction in righteousness. And then he builds them up. 1 Peter 2 2 talks about the pure milk of the word. That'll, just as little babies desire the pure milk. And that is what a baby desires. That's all they want. They want to go to sleep and they want to drink. And that's it. And that's what, the, that's what the God's word does. It is able, it's not a book that's just for the wise. It can take a child and build them up into a strong man of faith. Do you know how you... I say this. I've said this to a lot of people. You know how you grow strong, boys? I don't know nothing about girls, but I got two boys. You know how you grow strong, boys? One meal at a time every day. That's what you need. You need the pure milk of the word every day. Imagine if... And this is, this is how a lot of your devotional lives are. Imagine if I only fed Rhett once a week, ah, every three days. That way, when Wednesday came around, he really appreciated it. <laughs> Think about that. But that's how you, that's what we do. Well, I'm busy this week, but this weekend, oh, I got all day. I'm just gonna spend time in the Word. Rhett, you're not gonna get anything to eat, but this Saturday, I'm just gonna fill you up. And here comes Rhett. Well, here comes the Gerlach kids. They're all like, <laughs> Weird looking. That's what happens. You don't desire the pure milk of the word, and you you, you nibble on it, and you're like, a little bit here, a little bit there. You don't ever think about it. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to every word. On your word, I meditate day and night. And that is how you take from where you are and you grow up as a strong young man and woman of faith. You eat a lot. You eat faithfully. You eat healthy daily. Um, finally, the end product. 2 Timothy three sixteen and 17. That the man of God may be complete. You know what that word means? It means perfect. Not that that you're all full of yourself, but God is perfecting you. You know what perfection looks like? It looks like Jesus Christ. You know what he's doing to you? He's making you more and more in the image of his son. He's perfecting you through the word that you may be thoroughly equipped. That word equipped means furnished. It's like a house that has everything it needs. It's, It's good to be lived in. That the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly equipped for every good work. God's word is sufficient. That's, that's, we'll just we'll end there. God's word is sufficient. It's not the, the early reformers. They said, solo Christa. Only scripture. That's what you need. You want to know God? Sola scriptura, only scripture. Not, Billy Graham said this. He goes, you know, if I could do one thing again, I'd read a lot more of the Bible and less books about the Bible. I take that to heart. Like, I read my Bible a lot more than I read books about the Bible. I don't, I'm not that fast of a reader. I have to be wise with my time. Besides, I would rather Hear from God than hear about other men who have heard from God and they're they're telling me. Wouldn't you? That's a huge difference there. And that's why when you come to Cross Life every Friday night, this is what you can expect. You can expect to hear from God's word. Different men may teach, like Pastor Brian says on Sundays, it's not my words that are important, it's God's words that's important. Every Friday night, we're going to teach God's word. In our community groups, man, there's going to be food and fellowship. You're not going to be able to hide in a big group. But it will revolve around the conversation of knowing God's word. That's what you need. Um, I'm going to ask Nate. You guys ready? Let's sing a little bit. Let's praise the Lord together as a group here. And then have a couple of things to close and we'll be done. So guys, come on up. Thank you.